Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And kids are definitely creepy. Dramatic pause. We know drama. <laughs> yes, we do. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing well, Carol. How do you do? Frankly, I am exhausted. <clears throat> Me too. I was um, trying to bury that deep down inside. Nope, nope. It's right there at the forefront. It's of... a gray day, chilly outside. Yeah, I'm mainly just exhausted from uh, our day at Disneyland. I'm going to Disneyland. We went. We did. Um, and it was... Very tiring. Yeah. 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 It was. It was like, um, I I was trying to remember being so exhausted at any other place besides Disneyland. And we've done some like pretty serious hikes in our life. We've done some really long travel days some you yeah know, it's festivals that kind of thing yeah it's similar but it's its own special kind of exhaustion yeah like you're just doing so so much walking and a lot of carrying even with uh, a rented double stroller which was fantastic oh yeah um top of the charts really great uh decision to <laughs> to rent the double stroller because the trams aren't running so even just the walk from the parking lot would have been kind of a nightmare without a stroller um gives you a place to put your shit uh it's shaded yeah uh it's great yeah they they were sleeping it by the end of the day so you know even with the stroller you're still in line and carrying the kids sometimes and just you know, eating mainly sugar all day. And you're carrying yourself around, which has its own challenges and, over and the course backpack. of like 14 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all everyone's stuff. Yeah. And also there's, you know, some level of anxiety and excitement that comes with it that is also exhausting, stim- overstimulation. Like the, the kids fell asleep in the stroller the second we left the park. You know, yeah. it's like the second there was there wasn't something to distract the senses. <laughs> there was yeah. a sleeping child immediately, yeah. truly immediately. Yeah. I think even just like the buildup for us, the adrenaline, there's a, it's like a hangover from from all the magic. And now that we've like griped so much about how tired we are, we can also talk about it was just the best day ever. It was wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Until June 15th. It's, you know, limited capacity. It's at 35%. um, And I don't know what it is on a normal day, but the last time we were there at the end of 2019, like right after Christmas, which is a crazy time to go anyway, (laughs) it was at capacity. Like they closed Disneyland the day we were there because it was, they, they were at capacity. So we've seen what that looks like. That was our most recent Disney experience. 
and it was bananas. So then coming to it at 35%, it was like a, it was a, a dream. Uh, just no lines for the bathrooms even, you know, very, very short lines for the rides. We went on so, so many rides. Like 16 rides in about 12 hours, which is really insane. Mm-hmm. But we, you and I went on some rides multiple times. So, yep. And that is something that you just can never do. It's very rare, unless mm. you're choosing some real. Just go into the tiki stuff. room yeah, over yeah, and tiki. over and over again, just sitting in there all day. You got to see that show, see even, it from all angles. Even sometimes that line is long. Like too long for the tiki room, like a half an hour. Yeah, it's a, it is a weird like cool off zone for people. I yeah. think normally, I just looked it up. The maximum capacity at Disneyland mm-hmm. is fifty thousand people. Wait, what? That's right. Oh. So fifty thousand total people. The average daily visitors number is twenty seven thousand. Okay, so that's what I was thinking. Like, what is this compared to an average day? Okay, that that. That makes sense because it wasn't like, I mean, it didn't feel empty. It didn't feel, yeah, it didn't feel empty, but at some parts of it, it did, Mm -hmm. which was cool. Yeah, like it was cool to just be able to get pictures in front of like the Magic Castle and stuff without having to. That's a that's a magician saying out in town, (laughs) whatever they call it. What is what is the name of the castle? Cinderella's Castle, Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Whose castle is it? I don't know. The Disney Castle, Disney Heads. You know who you are. <laughs> Call us out. Um, the, but in front of that magic castle, um, Neil Patrick Harris presiding over it all was... No, that's at the magic castle in Hollywood. I'm sorry. I'm being confusing. Uh, but yeah, you just could stand in front of that or in front of like the the rose... the the what do you call that? Like topiary yeah. Mickey head and get your photo. You can, you know, like all those, these spots that are normally jammed in front of the millennium Falcon professional photographer taking your picture. Nobody's around. They don't have to yeah. wait for people to move. It was pretty wild. Like yeah. that. That was that. It felt very once in a lifetime. Really glad we went. It also felt very safe. Everyone was being not only great about wearing their mask, but just kind like no, no, just no, Bad, no assholes. No assholes there. No no bad vibes um, that I got from anyone. No. And I thought it was cool that staff, like one time Wu's mask, well, his mask was slipping below his nose all day. He was wearing a new mask. It was really probably too small for him. And it, it kept slipping off his nose. But one time a staff member did say like, oh, can you put that up over his nose? Which I loved to hear because I haven't heard that from anyone in any position of authority yeah. All year. No one, I've never heard anybody say it. So I was glad, it was <laughs> right. very heartened to hear that, that they yes. were actually looking out for people's health when you're obviously you're around a lot of kids who can't be vaccinated and all walks who may or may not be for a variety of reasons. Right. So it was very, uh, very good. And all the lines are outside for the most part until you're about to board your ride. If pretty much like if it's not a straight line, mm-hmm. you're not inside. And so that was, it also kind of, I think, contributed to the feeling of it feeling crowded or populated because there were just more people. Mm -hmm. It felt like a sort of full day because you had people lining the streets because that's where the queues were. But once you, yeah, you move through stuff so quickly. Anyway, it was really cool. If anybody has the chance, it, it was really wonderful. But I guess also it's important to point out that you could still find this same experience on a 
on a normal traffic day once it kind of cools down. Yeah, once it dies down a little bit. But I mean, ever since Star Wars opened, it's been pretty, mm-hmm. pretty packed. Something about Star Wars I found out today. They what? normally don't let children pilot the Millennium Falcon. And you also can't guarantee that you are alone in the cockpit. Oh. Our family was by ourselves. I think they did that on purpose. You only have one household, one group together because right. it's a closed box. Um, but they also let the kids, woo and boo, were our pilots. We crashed into everything possible. <laughs> everything. Um, I can't say I would have done much better. I mean, I would have tried. Yeah. But I... Smugglers run. Yeah. That was really that was really fun. Very cool. It was a little bit nerve wracking because I was sitting behind Boo and just concerned that he was going to be freaking out. But he he doesn't outwardly freak out on rides. He's a very like silent kind of internal screamer. <laughs> That's right. Boo external screamer also. Well, in, in, in yeah, in different situations, but yeah. He... In fear, he screams internally. <laughs> if voicing his... In, in assertion, yeah. <laughs> he asserts himself verbally. Yeah. Ah, yeah, it was cool. And like you ordered all your food and stuff through the Disneyland app. That was pretty stellar. I think that's a thing that will stick around because it was just nice to be able to like plan, make your day more efficient by just saying like, oh, great, we'll go get this snack in half an hour when it's ready. Yeah, that was awesome. Certain things just shouldn't go away from from Mm -hmm. this time, but they will. They certainly will. Um. Yeah, but you know, everybody is on a different spectrum with Disneyland. Um, That is true. Like we, I think we fall somewhere towards, if if the spectrum is like Disney, you know, super fans, I'm sure there's a word for that. Um, And then people who have absolutely no interest in this, in going to Disneyland or whatever, Mm -hmm. Disney, all their... (laughs) There are many, many uh, movies and shows across, you know, Marvel yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. all that stuff. Like if you're just like totally checked out of it, I would say I would say granddad is completely checked out. My dad, mm-hmm. like he doesn't have any interest in Disneyland. Right. Sure. That's true. Has memories of it from when he grew up here. But like. But like in the same way that he does also of like gas stations of the area. Yeah. It's, it's not, not anything like and has no idea like has never seen Moana or anything before it or whatever, you know, like um, probably has no idea what that is, but then you have like super fans. And I think we are, we're definitely past the halfway point towards being like, we're definitely in the, in the positive on it. Really love going to Disneyland, have very fond memories of, of, you know, the movies and everything growing up, uh, like especially the soundtracks um and do let our kids watch a lot of disney stuff although i refuse to show them the old princess movies i feel like why oh, i open that door when i don't have to like they're not being you not know being fed it at all they're not yeah they, they don't care right like it would just be trying way too hard i think for for no reason mm-hmm. to show them these like antiquated things whereas like if we had had girls it's just it's way more in their face all the time and they're going to want to watch 
little mermaid and you're going to have to really talk through it. And, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, so we're pretty, you know, pretty conservative with that stuff. But, um, yeah, like I just, it, it was so fun to, um, go to Disneyland after all this time of not doing literally anything at all. And, uh, it was, it was a total blast. It was so fun. That was amazing. Yeah. It is a magical place. So fun. I don't know where we, you know, is a, is the most extreme level, would you call them Mouseketeers or is that somewhere <laughs> in the middle? I was trying to think, you know, because I do feel like I a know. Mouseketeer's job would be to like also sell other people on Disney. And I feel like I kind of do a bit of that. You know, I'm so pro the parks, especially. Yeah. It well, is. especially Disneyland. I think I have a, a bias. Sure. I, I have no frame of reference for Disney World. I yeah. was seven when I went there and I don't. Like, I don't have, like, a sense of, like, what the difference is, you know? And so mm-hmm. I just feel like, yeah, I, I stand by the one that's by us. For 40 <laughs> minutes away. And it does seem pretty manageable. But, like, as compared with a Six Flags or Universal, it's just a better, it's a better user experience. And that part, it's a kind of like this Apple Store look at, um, at the experience. It's just, like, everything from, like, the second you park till leaving yep. is thought out so thoroughly that like I respect it so much. I think even the parts that like kind of freak me out or something are still there's it's it's so thorough and almost like um it is almost you know like cultish or militant also on another level, but it is really special, you know? Yeah. I so number one fan and uh first and only guest of the pod, Aunt Monica is i would say a disney super fan for sure mm-hmm. she gave us a lot of tips a lot of inside scoops didn't get married there though i mean i think didn't there get is married like a- or proposed to there which a lot of people now we're hearing a lot of stories lately about that but like definitely a super fan um and we're reap the benefits of all her knowledge and research for sure but she was asking me like what during the day was like a magic moment where you like felt the magic of disney like felt walt disney's spirit fly down and touch you on the head <laughs> a little bit of anti-semitism that just floated through you <laughs> <in the> moment. <laughs> um and i was like you know it's just like the little things for me like the little the attention to detail i also love all of the all of the foliage there was blooming and it was so amazing and just lovely to stand in line and just be surrounded by like these flowers specific to every land and like everything was just everything is so on point and and the other thing that I love is seeing everyone's flair like everyone's Disney flair people like really dressing in head to toe Disney stuff and I, I it's like great for you not for me kind of thing but I really do love seeing it it's so there's just so much merch out there like these two guys do you remember like wearing the fox and the hound I'll never forget it as long as I live BFFs fox and the hound shirts with (laughs) copper and the other one on there fully grown men wearing these Todd and copper yeah, Todd. That's right. I always think, what a strange name for a dog, but also really funny. Pretty cute. Um, yeah, so I love that. And it's the attention to detail that keeps me coming back for more, just lighting my money on fire when I'm there, spending it on just insane food and 
treats and toys for the kids. Um, <laughs> although they did great with that. We said, we set a limit, set a boundary, talked about it beforehand. And they were, yeah, I think just being cooped up all year, they were just happy to happy to be there. Yeah. And totally overwhelmed. Completely. They did so well. The fa- they thought that we landed on a different planet when we got off the Millennium Falcon. Yes. And that was, that's a ma- magic moment. You're yeah, like, that that's was crazy. magical. Like, they had their minds blown. They had yeah. their minds blown. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Boo was like, oh, we're on the new planet now. And I was like, oh my God, no, we're, we're still on Earth. We came back to Earth. <laughs> um, uh, do you remember the quote unquote horror movie that was set at Disneyland that was shot on oh, yeah, that, well, that, that Escape was, from Tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. And it was so bad. Maybe we should do that for the podcast. We might have to. There's definitely got to be a lot of parenting in it. I don't remember well, it. Well, it's the dad turns evil. And it's like abusive. I remember it being like mm-hmm. this really weird kind of grisly. Okay. But it's all uh, shot illegally. Yeah. Because they're not really allowed to film there. Yeah. And so well, guess great. what? Guess what, guys? That's not the movie we did today. No. We're going to hit pause right now. I'm going to go watch Escape from Tomorrowland and then come back and do a different show. Yeah. Just so escape, hold on. Just Escape from Tomorrow, I think. Okay. Good. That's a different Escape from Tomorrowland's a different movie. Um, mm. Oh, that's the George Clooney one? No, that's called Tomorrowland. <laughs> Look, we're not, that's what I mean. We're not heads. We're not like Disney <laughs> diehards. But I do feel like. That's right. There was that child. <laughs> God. They've done it all. It sounded like a joke, but it's not a joke. Okay. All right. I'm here. I'm I'm. I'm with you. We're going to get this show on the road here. Mm. Um, we did do a superhero, supervillain type movie, though. And that is from the recent past, 2019, Brightburn. Yep. That's the movie we did for you this week. We hope you watch it. If you haven't watched it yet and you're about to, maybe just listen to this little intro. If you haven't watched the movie yet. It is streaming on Stars. if you have the mm. Stars app. It is available there on demand. All right. You want to recap this movie? Sure. I'm so glad you asked. Um, This one's coming to you from the internet movie database.com. It is by Yeboy Twisted Hollow 60. Definitely goes to Disneyland on like the Raver Appreciation Night. Shout out Twisted Hollow 60. Um, we'll see you there rolling with you after midnight. All right. After a difficult struggle with fertility, Tori Breyer's dream of motherhood come Tori Breyer's dreams of motherhood come true with the arrival of a mysterious baby boy. Brandon appears to be everything Tori and her husband, Kyle, ever wanted. Bright. Burn. Talented and curious about the world. But as Brandon nears puberty, powerful darkness manifests within him, and Tori becomes consumed by terrible doubts about her son. Once Brandon begins to act on his twisted urges, those closest to him find themselves in grave danger. I really wish that Twisted Hollow 60 had written Twisted. Maybe it got kicked back from IMDb. They yeah, were pretty strict about stuff on this website being 
very accurate, grammatically correct. They have a style guide, certainly. Yeah. So that's basically what happens in the movie. Sure. They say, look, listen, don't, we're not looking for you to brand your own (laughs) plot summaries here. You want to do that? Go write a book. Okay. Yeah. You want twisted movie reviews? Go somewhere else. You want to give the people a straightforward, accurate, intense plot summary. Go ahead and write that here. So uh, this movie, it it was intense. I will say that um, there was a lot of gore, Mm -hmm. a lot of really, really intense gore, um, which was fun because I wasn't really scared of anything. So I could watch it. Whereas, for instance, we're just finished watching The Boys, which is also a very, very gruesome show. But, and sometimes it can take you by surprise, like a good face rip off or something really fast. And then you're like, ah! Yeah. But for the most part, like when the gruesome stuff happens, you are very invested in the characters. So you are kind of like horrified. And yes. um, like there's and there's good mix. There's a good mix of like heads exploding, people exploding. Um, yeah, lots of he- lots of heads exploding. Um, but it's funny, and it does a great job of it being really dark and funny, mixed with sometimes you're just horrified. Right. Well, I mean, I think some of our favorite movies, like A Dead Alive, for instance, mm-hmm. that are gory. I think there's a certain level if if your gore gets to a point where if it's not funny, it doesn't really work as well. Then it's just a bore. Then it is. It does. It just becomes boring because... Bore gore, as I call it. Bore gore. It's also the name of our robot servant we're building <laughs> that we built at Disneyland in the droid shop. Um, the the bore gore issue here is that, yeah, it does it starts to take away from the the seriousness of the movie or then it just becomes it it feels like you kind of it starts to seem out of place almost because yeah. it is so um yeah it doesn't fit with the tone mhm the tone that you said that it doesn't fit with the tone that's been established but it does help make it i I mean, I still like the gore. I thought the gore was well done. We'll talk about, well, I'm not going to rate this movie right now, but it was, um, it's well executed. It does just feel like it, it could have benefited from some humor. Yeah, because it, otherwise it's pretty um, gratuitous, just murder. You're not mm-hmm. on anyone's, there was a, there were some real problems with this movie that mm-hmm. made um, it, yeah, to make that made all that very flat. Where you're like, I know he's evil, so he's going to kill them, and he's going to kill them gruesomely because he's got sort of a psychopath. Yeah, great. So now I'm just sad for these people who are going to die. Right. The fact that he is a psychopath, because he's not affected by the violence he commits, because um, at no point is it an accident. As far as I can remember, I don't think there's a single instance of like, oh, no, I didn't know the powers that I had. I accidentally yes. killed that person. And then you realize like, oh, well, I can turn that 
on everyone who's wronged me as like an outcast and as a weirdo and stuff. And like that, that's, or like my parents don't understand. I'm now a pubescent teenager. I'm just like angsty and confrontational. And so, and now I have powers. So that's going to backfire. Yeah. Like he wasn't outcasty enough. There wasn't a choice that he ever made of like, I choose to be evil. I choose to use my powers for evil. Um, And there wasn't ever like, a a clear you know what this alien force is that's making him quote take the world and so you're just like yeah it's very like unmotivated and it kind of like made a lot of assumptions of like well you guys get this it's the classic story of superman you know coming like knowing Mm. their powers blah 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 like they they kind of glossed over like i didn't need step by step i just it's like if you're gonna do something different you're trying to say like what if superman mm-hmm. was evil it's like well then do something like tell that story this isn't even a story this is just like things are happening mm-hmm. yeah this this was it we both agreed that this this movie happened kind of quickly weirdly because it, it's only about mm-hmm. 90 minutes and it would benefit at almost every turn a little bit more breath to us to set the scene to like let these characters have a little bit more of like a point of view like i think elizabeth banks is so like she's so great at like at being believable at like playing acting at acting and being very (laughs) but plays very grounded Mm -hmm. characters very well and i think can it's just it's sort of a shame i think they just kind of abused that you know you're just sort you're exploiting that skill yeah. And making everyone have to kind of keep up with that, which they can't. And so it was just, a, it was really, it was really tough. I also, the actor who's the dad, who, who is now in literally everything we watch, um, we're on one of those runs with him. It's like but, Dan, what's his name? Oh, David Denman. David Denman is Kyle Breyer. <laughs> Whoa, Abraham Clinkscales as Royce. Yeah. What a name. Yeah, I know, right? Um, he's one of the students um, in Brightburn's class. Um, Brandon Breyer, double B. So yeah, like because this is just a flip on the Superman myth, I think modern media suffers a lot from this, which is where everything that we consume in so many ways is so meta. You kind of have to know the reference before you can enjoy the thing on its own. Like it's really taken for granted. Like, okay, we just all know the story of Superman's origin so like there's that and now it's a horror movie and like mm-hmm. as a comic book fan it's really tough to watch something like this and not think about all the ways that like the superman myth has been flipped better right but i think you even made a list of i did i made a little list i guess like we could have shared this later during scary good stuff or something but I, oh, we can we can put that in the show notes under scary good stuff for uh, sure. It's a great idea. Well, you had already mentioned the boys, and I think the boys is a better. Oh yeah, you know, Homelander is obviously <laughs> no bones about it. That he is Superman, and they are the Justice League. Uh, the Seven is the Justice League. It is yeah. Um, that is a flip of the Superman myth in a certain way. There is more direct ones like uh, there's a. Marvel series for adults called uh, Supreme Power. And in that, the character Hyperion is Superman. And the premise there is basically what if the alien ship landed 
and the government found Superman. Mm. The U.S. government finds Superman instead of mm. uh, the Kent family, right? So, like, he becomes a a weapon of mass destruction, right? It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Homelander. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it predates that a little bit. It's a good series, really fun, very dark also. Another one is a Superman story that is called Red Sun, and it is similar to Supreme Power. It is what if... Instead of landing on U.S. soil, Superman lands in communist Russia, mm. in the USSR, and becomes, and the, like, so it is Cold War era event mm-hmm. that instead of being American, Superman is now Soviet. Um, so, I, I mean, there are truly dozens more out there. Like, definitely, like, share with us your favorites if you have other other ones you like. But this is also a story that I felt like this probably would have been better as a comic book. Oh, totally. As a one shot. Because there are some cool little twists in there on the Superman myth. Right. He gets his really gets his powers at puberty, more like an X Man. Mm -hmm, Right. Which is which is a fun difference. I think it is like an important thing to explore like when that comes up. And I think and the other one to me is also that he's he's kind of possessed by the alien ship Mm -hmm. right that there is this there's like a language being spoken that he finally starts to like understand as his powers grow Mm -hmm. and which like superman does find his like fortress of solitude and finds the like ways Mm -hmm. you know like the technology to learn from his planet krypton as he grows older, but like the idea that that is like, if it was like evil, if he had grown up totally normal in this really like peaceful household with loving parents and then found out that he was sent to earth to destroy it is really, is great. It's a great wrinkle. Right. It is just like yeah. too bad. It didn't kind of go there. It wouldn't take too much. I don't think in terms of effects to like, to really express that or show it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. we love this kind of stuff. So like mm-hmm. we it do. was it we was do. great to I'm glad somebody you know making this movie should make more of these you know make more stuff that is like little movies that mm-hmm. are just kind of just not not shows or franchises just a little fun little movie I wish that it, yeah wish that it had been better there were some really great people in it I thought that the kids were great because they were accurately uh aged which is always a hard mm. a hard thing and a cool thing i will say that um if you look up on the internet movie database the the little girl who plays i don't know brightburn's victim crush um she so she she looks so young Caitlin? yeah she looks so young in the movie accurately young and if you look on IMDb, sh- her her photo, she looks like a forty five year old. I don't. Oh I don't my know what's goodness! Happening. <laughs> I don't know what's Great happening. audio. Go to Internet Movie Database. Look up Emmy Hunter, who plays Caitlin with a Y in the movie Bright Burn. Yeah, she looks not forty five, but like twenty eight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange. Anyway. Um, so there was something very interesting in Brightburn, and that was the very first one of Mummy and Daddy, the sex talk. Mm. 
this was a first. I can't believe it. I'm kind of shocked that it, and I mean, maybe it was alluded to, but it's very front and center in this movie. This is very much a puberty story. Mm-hmm. And so they did fortunately like connect those dots for us. They weren't, it, it was not like something you're supposed to infer. It was very obvious. He gets his powers when he hits puberty. He also becomes a problem, right? And I mean, certainly emotional swings are a big part of, uh, are a big part of puberty. And so it's also like where his parents start to feel like they're disconnecting from him a little bit or start to question like how they're raising him or the choices they made, whether they should have even told him he was an alien mm-hmm. and some of those, um, some of those pieces. But obviously we wanted to talk about the sex talk part of this. That's such a big rite of passage as both parent and child or historically has been that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're all as parents now greatly looking forward to changing that dynamic. Yes. <laughs> greatly looking forward to changing how it happens and, and all of that. And honestly, it's really just blowing the whole thing up because it's not just one discussion that you have. It's, you know, starting when they're little doing things like calling body parts the correct name and having like kind of a an open dialogue about your body and consent and who who's able you know who's allowed to touch you in certain places and explaining for instance like you are the only person who is allowed to touch your body or tell Uh, you know, or make decisions about your body, except for daddy and I, when we're washing you in the Mm -hmm. tub and, and like the doctor, when we're with you at the doctor, like just even, I've I've already talked to Wu about that because we had like the five-year appointment and, you know, it's different now. They're, they're much more aware and it's like, you have to let them know that this is okay. I'm here with you. They're going to examine your body. Mm -hmm. So like it starts there, but also just as they get older, like answering questions without judgment and it starts immediately. It doesn't, um, it's not something that you wait until they're already having a changing body to discuss once and then shut the book on it. Right. Or are especially already possibly sexually active, you mm-hmm. know, that that's the, and people love to say it's happening younger and younger and there is evidence of that but they're you know kids are are pretty like sexually minded i will say from you know from quite a young age it's not mm-hmm. it, it, it's something that becomes apparent media feeds it a ton we talk a lot about how tough it is as parents to find um even i'll give you a very easy one trying to find woo games to play on his tablet that mm. aren't that don't have a plot of boy saves girlfriend and there's ones where it's like it's a robot saving its girlfriend mm-hmm. it's just like why why is that the thing mm-hmm. it seems so strange that like just because mario did it whatever that was 40 years ago we have to keep going back to that same yeah. Like super tired. Well, it's also weird that it's still happening in the Mario games. It's a really strange, strange trope. And then, if, I mean, right back to Disney stuff, too. It's just like they don't right now. They're not cognizant of that in the same way. But there is the, you know, like the flip side, too, of what we're 
um, of the talk. There's the safety and consent piece of it. And there is also the joy of it too, like about like taking some of the shame out of it. We did have a question that came to us via Twitter that was from a user at Faith and Coffee with three E's that said, for all the sex positive parents out there, what resources are you using or sharing with your kids to help them develop a healthy and educated view of their bodies and of sex in general? And that's really... I thought that really got at it in a mm-hmm. in a good way because it is both of those things. It is about feeling positive about your body, feeling safe around your body, and also still being able to have a positive view of sex generally and not thinking of it as something that's purely – even we grew up during the AIDS crisis. That mm-hmm. was something that I think made me fear certain aspects of sex and intimacy in a way For that, sure, um, yeah. I don't think a generation previously or maybe even afterwards would have or does that fear. Of, oh, yeah. Fear uh, of AIDS just straight yeah. up. And for me getting pregnant. Yeah. Or just STDs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are valid concerns. Those are real. <laughs> yeah. Those are, are real. These are boogeymen. <laughs> in case anybody. Yeah. But there are very, very good ways of of preventing those things that could have been made available to me yes yes but weren't because i went to a catholic school um and had catholic parents so uh interview with a vampirant real quick josh Ooh, okay did you get sex talked mm, i did sort of i um well all right i do rem- first of all i remember very young we had a book called um I believe it's called What is Happening to Me? Question mark. Very 70s, super 70s. Right. Um, I will absolutely find this book. I used to look at it a lot. Um, Maybe this will be the thing that we finally start like an Amazon store. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I remember my mom reading it to my sister and I. I was probably about, um, I was probably about Wu's age. I may have been four or five years old. Right. And reading it, and there's sort of like the almost like the um, we call it the descent of man kind of chart of mm. like how your body changes as you grow for both men and women. And there's like a page about how like boobs can all look different, there's a page about mm-hmm. you know, like cartoon drawing of sperm, and also how like I remember like a theme, of, or I think even the cover drawing is like a boy and girl kind of like teasing each other. And then that like turning into eventually into romance. Like that was the idea. You're sort of mm. aiming this at kids. It was like, yeah, you might be like, you might say you hate girls or whatever now, but that may not be true mm-hmm. later. Um, it's still, you know, and it, I think we're also all trying to have, Oh, sorry. So that was when I was a child. And then um, much Later, I was probably in high school or maybe middle school. My dad already deep, deeply, and actively having sex with many, many girls. <laughs> no, but I was, uh, you know, I, I had it on the brain certainly, like around the clock. So, but my dad saying to me, "Do you have any questions about it?" I just went, "Nope," and that mm-hmm. was that. So because I, I didn't, I didn't really have questions at that 
point. I don't, right. I don't, even though I had no experience with it personally, I felt like I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I, and I mean, we did have sex ed in school. You know, I think being in a blue state and all that, like we were, um, I feel like had pretty frank discussions about STDs, about like, right. yeah, you know, you went what to public is sex. School, and, so, yeah. 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 And about, and about consent and harassment. And I, I think that that was, that was all part of that conversation, at least by the time I was in high school and also at different points, like when you're going through puberty <laughs> during that time, they would also split up boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so that it could be a little bit, the idea I think there was like safe space to ask questions, but obviously like it was insane. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, like, yeah, of like, course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Did you have, no, no, not even. Still waiting. Yeah, still really. I have a lot of questions. Um, if you're listening. Where do babies come from? <laughs> um, <laughs> What's happening to me? Oh! <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no talk, nothing. Um, luckily, I had older sisters who showed me how to like shave my legs and, um, mm-hmm. you know, take care of my periods and stuff. Um, but. Otherwise, no talk from the parents and the stuff in school was pretty like anatomy driven, mm-hmm. um, not any kind of discussion about the emotional, social side of it at all. Right. Like completely nothing. And so as far as the anatomy stuff goes, like they did separate us and they, you know, showed a video and I had to leave the room because I have always been very, very squeamish, which is funny because I know we're, we love the horror movies, but that's very different when a ta- when, when you're actually talking about bodily functions and medical stuff, I like still like certain things I just can't handle. You're kind of getting a little uh, pale and glossy right now. Yeah. At the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I read a book. This is like a, story you've heard a thousand times but our listeners haven't i re- I was reading um uh in college i was reading the book hunt and it's talking about um how she like gave herself a home abortion and i was reading it at the coffee shop that i worked at like before my shift and i like went into the bathroom and completely passed out just hit the ground um because it's so I, scary yeah it's crazy like I, I get myself very like i was just probably like holding my breath um can't can't handle it certainly couldn't handle it in like fifth grade right especially having no conversation about any of that stuff and so this was like miracle of life or something where it's yeah. like you see like a baby's head crowning kind yeah. of something oh like yeah, that. yeah yeah that's i think that's like when i had to mm-hmm. leave i was like a, i just like walked out of the room <laughs> yeah i'm um, gone we're good here yeah. yeah and um so so yeah i'm i'm very excited already be on like a better path with the kiddos and just learning from other parents with older kids that like how things can be so much better how they just can be an ongoing conversation I think the thing that um I will have to work on is like I tend to over explain things so I I was thinking about that during this viewing of like Mm -hmm. answering questions and stuff to kind of just like just say enough. Just right. 
You don't have to give, even though you may know the actual, th- there is that strange balance of finding that developmentally appropriate way. And this right. is kind of listener's question also, which was what is, yeah, how, what are sort of these developmental, developmentally appropriate tools? So you're able to do this kind of openly and fluidly throughout life. So it isn't, because nobody wants a talk. Nobody wants to be sat down. No, nobody wants us to be sat down about anything. No, yeah, exactly. Even, so yeah, like and even and so especially it doesn't make this stuff like easier to talk about. Like just being blunt about it isn't necessarily what anyone wants to hear. And I mean that's why like I I don't I have no like regrets about my lack of a talk. I was given the opening and I chose not to take it. Like it, it wasn't as though I felt like I couldn't ask questions if I actually felt like I had them but I think part of the problem is with with that is also like you don't know what you don't know I also think we're living uh, we're also living in, in a much more interesting time regarding sexuality and gender and I mean and conversations around consent and like really I think the fact that we're examining them so much more as a society is so much more beneficial to kids it's also it is more challenging as a parent. You have to, totally. I feel like you have to be better equipped to talk about these things and normalize them earlier on. So you're leaving every pathway open for your child to feel as though they are as normal as right. you can, right? Whatever. Cause no matter who you are, you will at some point feel like, I think some amount of, abnormality or like you don't fit in or whatever else it is and so I think as much as you can do to squash it like well as like fascinating as I think it will be to like go on that journey together it is also really intimidating and I think a a really hard thing to do because you don't know what you don't know and not Mm -hmm. having some of those tools is tough but one thing we did find doing some research into this because also our kids are young for those of you just joining us woo is five boo is three so we start to, you know, we'll talk about these things as they as they kind of come up. I, I I would just prefer for it to be as natural as possible. But like, there's, I'm excited to like look into some of these resources, and we've also we're also exploring having some guests come on the show in future episodes who can address these things more thoroughly and from the perspective of like of different situations. You know, so it's not just about our situation or. Or anything else. Um, I but two things that we found. There is a website called sexpositivefamilies.com. For one thing, you can sign up there to have monthly sex positive parenting tips and resources emailed to you. Love um, that. And it is free. Also, so the idea is to have having as they say on their website i'll read it right from it help you have shame-free sexual health talks with greater ease and at every age and stage and just for joining the mailing list they also give you a percentage off the book that they wrote Mm. um the author of the book who also describes herself on the, the website as founder and lead educator and the author of this book is melissa pintor carnegie and she's black and latinx she is uh, also uses uh, she and they pronouns is a 15 year veteran of the field and so and also has three kids aging from seven to 22 i i love that as a parent someone that's like 
fully run the gamut Mm -hmm. where it's not just like we so we always talk so much to our friends and you're listening to us talk about our kids we only know what we know from our own experience so i think the idea of getting some tips from someone who's lived it and studied it and written about it is really appealing to me um and of course and the other one from uh the lolita podcast this is more for the parents in the group but a book that was written by a guest from that show that we recommended on a previous episode. Zoe Ligon wrote a book called Carnal Knowledge, Sex Education You Didn't Get in School. And so these are both recent books. And so I think that there are, there is something to know both for adults, sex lives and, and their and sex positivity and sexual awakening. And also for, adults as parents and therefore our children to know about like in in order to kind of keep these conversations going as as we move through um as we move through this journey together i will say the only thing that i would like to bring back from brightburn in regards to this outside of an awkward sex talk one of the other things and we we touched on it ourselves is there's a scene in this movie where Caitlin, the uh, the actor we were talking about before, she kind of stands up for Brandon in a classroom scene, and he's clearly very grateful and taken with her and taken with that moment. And later, he sneaks into her bedroom, and it kind of unfolds from there. But he has a moment where this is an instance where he is mistaking kindness for interest or consent, and it's such an important part of the sex talk. It can't be overstated how important it is to not misconstrue those things. Mm-hmm. It's the childhood version of she was asking for it. Just by virtue of being kind, being empathic, showing sympathy in a situation does not mean that anyone owes you anything sexually or romantically or anything else. And it is again like a missed opportunity for this film to not even get the they didn't even get the chance to address the question that they posed from mm-hmm. that scene really the kind of only interaction he has in an ongoing way with other kids in the movie yeah that's a shame it is a shame there's there's just this uh movie's littered with it's a shames <laughs> um because it could have been cool yeah. and there were many cool parts but not story-wise, I just mean like, yeah, I guess like just really the the gore was really, it was cool. There were cool things that, you know, but it just didn't, it just, there there wasn't that payoff, you know, it didn't have the same weight. But yeah, um, it's funny thinking about that scene and how much that concept has like shaped my life and every woman's life. Um, just about the, the very fine line between just being nice. I mean, that word is a, is a minefield, but just being kind to people and, and also like being friendly and, um, trying to joke around and being welcoming, welcoming. Yeah. Like being misconstrued as flirting and how you always want to yeah, like be conscious of like the signals that you're giving. And it's 
it's just a bummer <laughs> because it's the society that we live in mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's a burden i think for all girls young girls and and women like professionally it's you know it's a it's something that you have to always be aware of you know like you know especially especially like working in entertainment oh completely yeah. it, it's 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 crazy and it affects your trust levels like it affects how you view the world and people's agendas and just like it yeah i i do have several close male friends but i i still feel guarded as far as yeah the like signal giving sometimes Mm -hmm. you know because it's because men and boys are not given the tools and and having those talks so it's like obama just said this um recently of like somebody asked him about like where where we've like how about how far we've come and like all the changes that are are happening right now as far as like um gender equality and he was like the thing that needs to happen right now is talking to our boys about how how to be how 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 to take all that mm-hmm. and then give it to the little the little boys and make sure that they they have the the tools to be better because <laughs> it's it's that's what it comes down to and i was like that is really totally how i feel about it as far as like raising two boys you know that like the burdens on us as 100 par- as parents of boys and it, it's so funny because i remember thinking before we had kids like thinking like that we would have girls or at least a girl and how amazing that would be how it would be so great to like raise an empowered girl and like Mm-hmm. What a world, you know, to come into now versus how I grew up. And and yes, that is like really, really important. But like the onus is on boy boy moms and dads, I think, to change things because that's the problem. <laughs> it's not. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and, you know, it's going to change. It's already changing. It's, it's going to be awesome. I really do think that. Even it's slower than anybody wants it to be, but it's it is getting better. It's I, true. I, I sorry, and I think that's why Brightburn is also like a little weird to watch because you're just like, huh. It's like being mm-hmm. dragged into the past. Yes, yes, very well said. Because even though this is supposed to be, you know, like small town life and everything else, and like kind of a rural town, as if people in rural towns can't be. <laughs> empathic or understanding of different viewpoints from those in which they were brought up. I think it's all that's like doing a, a disservice. And I think that there's something to be said for a quote. I think about often is like Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Was it on like a, some storytelling podcast or this American life he was talking about was years ago, but having to talk about pornography to his like mm-hmm. nine year old mm-hmm. and the way he summed it up was the internet hates women. Mm -hmm. And I think about it all the time and I think it's accurate. I think it is really, but it gets down to that right to that kernel of just how parents of boys really need to do the heavy lifting in terms of making a world that's 
safe for girls and non-binary kids out there who will you don't want to be punished for being themselves ultimately and i also think it's important that as parents were now generations removed from the sort of 4-h emily post approach to like suburban living where i think there was for for so long like this big push towards politeness mm-hmm. and that is a thing that i i think is a very confusing signal to send to kids about kind of valuing politeness over kindness or or mm-hmm. like again over over empathy like uh, understanding what someone's going through versus like putting on a face mm-hmm. because i think that is something that inherently can invite trouble because when do you know that it's okay to back out and be truthful with somebody if you're raised to think you're supposed to be a doormat for someone else's mm-hmm. feelings and emotions yeah deeply deeply unfair so working on it people trying trying out here um actually that kind of brings up something that uh something else we were talking about with this movie was the parenting style our parents in this are struggling with that with transitioning away from the way they were raised they do at least discuss it it's at least addressed once in this movie when they're talking about how much worse or what worse stuff they were getting into as kids um kind of the latchkey nature of growing up in a generation prior to this one you just don't get that kid turns 12 and all of a sudden he has a mouth on him so strange you're so unlike him don't worry about him and getting older changing we were so much worse when we were his age. I mean, you remember all the running around we did, sneaking out, fooling around in my parents' basement? <laughs> yeah. You know my parents knew exactly what we were doing. Yeah. They just didn't give a shit. They'd already written me off at that point. Oh, babe. We can never do that to Brandon. He needs to know we give a shit. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's all part of it. I actually couldn't help but a being that with one of my favorite movie parents, but for some reason, this is something that always sticks with me, and I don't know why. But actually, I was a wonderful father. Did I ever tell you to eat up, go to bed, wash your ears, do your homework? No, I respected your privacy, and I taught you self-reliance. That's from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Deeply unconnected to Brightburn, but it is something that that's talk about things that live rent free in your brain. Most of that movie, and certainly Sean Connery in that movie. It, it is funny thinking about that as a parent. That was that's like the voice of what uh our our parents here in Brightburn are are talking about. It's like a parent that has kind of written you off that has is basically letting you live on your own and trying to justify that as 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 good parenting right and not having the tools to keep you engaged yeah i mean that grow yeah that's all that's all of our parents i feel like there was not any kind of resources available there was not i mean unless you were like the child of an actual psychologist or therapist or something and even then that's not exactly like a given that mm-hmm. you'll be parented in a way that like yeah makes you feel secure to ask questions or share your emotions or anything i don't know it, it's yeah 
it's a much different time now. Um, and also like their intention there of like what they want to do and then what they actually do with Brightburn or whatever the kid's name is, Brandon or mm-hmm. whatever. Brandon, yeah. It's still co- not quite there. And I feel like it. that's not really the intention of the movie, but like that struggle of like, what do we do? You know, we know the parents that we want to be, but then they do, they do shut him down pretty hard. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they do. I shot my first buck with that very same model. No, 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 no. No guns. We talked about this, Tori. No, come on. He's still just a kid. I'm 12 years old. I know. Exactly. You were still a child. Give it to me. I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? I said, give it to me. Brandon. Okay, we are done here. We're not having ice cream. Thank you so much. Brandon, let's go. Brandon, come on. Let's go. Brandon? Up now. Brandon. Listen to your father. We are leaving. Let's go. Oh, you guys. I love you. So fun. Yeah. Everything about that stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, there's a lot of work that goes along with what you want to do as a parent and what you actually are capable of and the tools that you have and like even just responding in the moment it's like a constant thing because you are fighting against how you were raised and that's probably how that guy's you know david denman uh mm-hmm. the dad like that's probably kyle. how it's probably how kyle was raised and like you do kind of like go to these knee-jerk things and like sometimes when that happens like i just i apologize or i take woo or boo aside and just say you know what that's not what i wanted to say or that's not what i wanted to do and you know i'm sorry or something Mm -hmm. like that no where it's like you just have to you have to address it you know i can't remember if he does later on he's not a bad dad no well and i and that scene also i believe directly precedes the other scene we listen to where they say we need, he needs to know we give a shit, right? Maybe they would have redone, they would have done that differently mm-hmm. if there was a repeat the following day. If there was mm-hmm. a party with friends the next day, would they have had the same thing if he had a similar reaction to a present he wasn't supposed to get or something? Right. It is just, in. it's an insane story choice. All right. That brings us to some scary good stuff. Mm, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, along the lines of, Brightburn and his mask. The kiddos are not going to be vaccinated for the summer, let's face it. No. Kids over 12 are eligible. That's exciting. My nephew, Lou, as we call him, he Lou got Lou and Goo. Just Lou got his vaccine. We're all very excited. But uh, the kids under 12 still got to wear those masks. So we got some new masks by Raffi Nova. They were having a sale the other day. I don't know when they will be again, but they, I feel like a lot of places that sell masks are doing sales because they know it's like not going to be forever. Yep. They're, but, just, they're not being required everywhere. Places are opening yeah. up. It's going to be, yeah. yeah. And they probably way overordered. Right. You count on that. Yeah. But for the kids, I like them for us as well. They have good masks for adults. But for the kids, they, they're like more structured, give um, some, some room so that the masks aren't getting wet. They mm-hmm. have a nice little nose bridge that is good, but not like causing friction. I love them. So 
don't let them turn into supervillains, but do keep their masks on, if you know what I mean. Oh, great call. Absolutely. Yeah. I also want to talk real quick about a podcast we are loving. I will put it on our Instagram. Um, it is called No One Is Coming to Save Us, and it is from a uh, journalist, I believe, like newscaster I, I i don't know her background but gloria riviera might be familiar to you um she has reported um on a bunch of different things in her career but this is all about childcare in america and it hits home oh if you're a working parent you know what she's talking about you know how terrible the system is and um Kristen Bell is part of the podcast as well. She does some funny bits each episode and we're really liking it. If you like our podcast, you're, you're definitely going to love this. Um, so check that out. Agreed. Shall we rate this movie? Let's do it. Oh yeah. Um, boy. Okay. I, I can, I guess I can kick this off. Kick it off. All right. Uh, let's see how many, I really wanted to look up exactly what the name of that gun was. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, I know. What am I doing? Okay. How many quilted bathrobes out of five do you give the 2019 film Brit Byrne? Okay. Uh, out of five. I'm going to say two and a half. Okay. Because... I can't I can't really like recommend it, but it wasn't terrible. I just there were too many flaws in it that I just wish had been better and I I was I wasn't I, I was not impressed. How about you? How many quilted yeah. bathrooms out of five? Um I feel like we can always find consensus here. It's gotta be two and a half. I was gonna say three, but I didn't really like it enough to go too much higher, but I I, like I said, I love comics. I love my favorite thing about comics is when they give great rationale to an otherwise like mundane or accepted thing. Like there was a big wave of this about 15 years ago uh, when I was reading a ton of comics that was like reexamining origin stories. And this happens periodically. But like when you reexamine characters, origin stories, and you give like a scientific explanation for the fantastic four, something like that, it's not cosmic rays anymore, but it's like, okay, well, what actually happened or what's happening in Reed Richards body to make him stretchy mm. like these little, and they're just little nuggets. You know, it's not like this, it's not a big reveal or mm. a big, uh, you, this isn't the conclusion of the story. It's just like you're, as you're reading, you're just hit with these little aha moments. It's like, wow, that's really fucking clever. Yeah. And, yeah. Like in the boys, like the, mm -hmm. the V it just, you know, it kind of evolves. You find out more about like what's made the super villains, superheroes, all this stuff. Completely. And like those, those little things and like, they can be, um, yeah, they can be big and small moments and you want, and like, that's all you want from that as a genre. Um, and I don't, I feel like this did just kind of like, this could have had a little of that, and I think it would have had it in comic book form, but for some reason, this one just uh, missed the mark, but it's in my wheelhouse for sure, so I, I, I appreciate it. I wish it was better, and I, w I even wish they gave the cops more to uncover to solve this mystery. 
I think there would have been a more fun way to lay out. Oh my this. gosh, I forgot that there were even cops involved yeah. in this movie. Yeah, it's really it's really too bad. Um, it, no, but you can. I will say I did see it in a trivia thing uh, that it won, or sorry, it was a nominee in the Women Film Critics Circle Awards. Excuse me. For the Mommy Dearest Worst Screen Mom of the Year Award. Oh my gosh. Elizabeth Banks. I A am surprised we have never come across these awards before. <laughs> uh because the if you want to know, the there were only two other nominees in the category this year. That year it was um Francis Conroy, who played Penny Fleck in Joker, so Joker's mom. Okay. Uh, and seems like a worse mom yep. already. Uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis in Knives Out. <gasps> a worse mom. Yes. And well, and Francis Conroy won for the Joker. Okay, uh, that's good. But this seems like an insane it's, it's, it's thing to pin on Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> she was trying. She was really. She oh, was. she kept sticking up for him, and mm-hmm. like. It really made it interesting at the end when she, you know, does try to kill him with part of the spaceship because it's the only thing that that's the ship is his kryptonite, I guess. It's the only thing that actually punctures his skin. But I still didn't even think that payoff was good enough because you like you pretty much know she is going to do that. Yep. I don't know. I would have liked some more ambiguity in general with this movie like a different mix of ambiguity and clarity mm-hmm. and that's the thing about a horror movie it's a really tough um note to strike but the kiddos in this movie now brandon is just so you know he plays a, a young ant-man child child ant-man that's um, right the, you remember that no but you you had found that before i believe and oh. said it. Hmm. um and he okay so i don't want to say all right so what, what? We, i don't i don't want to i don't want to get into my rating yet i want to oh. i want to ask you see i was going to ask you out of how many old band t-shirts that you now wear to bed oh but no you already took the quilted bathrobe so why not we can keep it at bedtime i would love to go to sleep right now <laughs> it is uh it's two o'clock after all. <laughs> um, would, uh, I, you know, there was there there was also some um, not scary child artwork in this movie. I just want to point out for our oh. co- for our coffee book collection. Great, not sc- not scary at all in the least. Child artwork. Um, His little notebook of his symbol. Mm-hmm. Shout out to drawing your own symbols, though. Oh, in yeah. Notebooks. Yeah. Shout out to the pointy S. <laughs> the pointy S. Uh, all right. Well, okay. How many band, old band t-shirts that you now wear to bed out of 10 do you give the kids in this movie? And that's the Brandon. And that's also the kids at school, including the girl who's now 28. Happy birthday to her. It's been a crazy two years <laughs> since Brightburn. Um, all right. Attic. All right, out of 10? Out of 10. All right, so we're including Abraham Clink Scales and Emmy Hunter as Royce and Caitlin, respectively. Um, 
they were the shining lights to me in this movie. I would give them, I give all the kids six out of ten. Brandon's bringing down the average. I thought that mm. I really liked Emmy Hunter as Caitlin. I thought she did a really good job with that role, like trying to call out um, mm-hmm. weirdness. Like I think did a good job of being of like showing the actual like emotion, the emotional range of that relationship. Um, and the kids in the class were all, they were also, I think also appropriately, uh, they seemed real. And then Brandon seemed like the re- the least believable of the bunch. Yeah. He, he was clearly cast for his look and that is fine. Like he does look, very sweet at times and very evil at other times. Like he just has kind of this like and slightly alien. Yeah, right. little alien kind of face, and um, it's gonna I hope serve him well in his career. Um, he, you know, would have been a Slytherin in Harry Potter had he is mm. a little bit older. But I just don't. I don't think it's his fault. That's the thing. Like I think that he he was doing the best with what he could. So I'm. I, I don't think he's bringing the average down. I'll. I'll, I'll give them. I'm, I'm only gonna. Give, I'm only gonna give them a six and a half out of ten. <laughs> but because they weren't like they weren't scary at all. Like they weren't. He's so there was, glad to have you in his corner. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I'm just thinking. Okay. Well, no. Wait. I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna change it to seven because the the little girl was like she was really good and like just. Yeah, she was so believable. Yep, as a, as a little kid, that scene in her bedroom, yeah. I think, is the scariest in the movie. Yes, it's messed up, mm-hmm. um, not in a fun way. Oh God. No. Anyway, so that is it. That is Bright Burn. Bright Burn. Mm, and listen, everybody out there, don't be a Brandon. Get in touch. You can email us at mummyxdeddy at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeddy. We're on Instagram at mummyxdeddypod. You can also visit us on the internet for show notes and more at mummyxdeddy.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And hey, tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is ice cream sundae on your birthday. Bye. Hey, who's messing with me? Is that you, Gary? Bring it. It's pretty nice. Yep. Yeah, I... <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs>